This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now in London, as we speak, there is an implosion of the government. The Tory party is at war with itself and there have been a number of resignations from Boris Johnson's cabinet, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Sajid Javid, the Health Secretary, being the two biggest beasts, two most significant Figures, but there's been a whole raft of junior ministers uh, resigning. Indeed, it must be up to 20 now. It was 10 last night. And it seems as if Boris Johnson's time as leader of the Tory party and prime minister, of course, is at an end, which won't be bad news for the people of this country because he has reduced relations between Ireland and Britain to their lowest ebb for a very long time. We're joined now by Chris Johns, former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland, and now a respected commentator. Uh, Chris, I don't think since the departure of Mrs. Thatcher way back in the 80s that things have been as bad as this. This has been the most dramatic and continues to be 24 hours in politics that I can remember. And even the departure of Margaret Thatcher didn't have so many bodies uh, lying around the place than this is having. And yet, Mr. Johnson has appointed a new Chancellor of the Exchequer and he has appointed also a new Minister for Health. You're obviously somebody who has copped on to Johnson very early, as many of us think we did. But this was... Can we just establish how it happened uh, first? He has been denying now for several days that he knew about this man, Chris Pincher, who was the deputy chief whip. Uh, last week at a function in the Carlton Club, Pincher groped to fellow conservative MPs. And when people checked, it showed that he had a record going back many years, several years of uh, misbehaving, of sexual assault. And when it was put to Johnson that he should never have appointed 
this man to be chief whip, which is uh, he only did quite recently, Johnson denied that he had ever heard any specific allegations about Pincher and his behaviour. Yesterday morning, however, a former Foreign Office Permanent Secretary, Simon MacDonald, accused Johnson of not telling the truth, and MacDonald declared that he had, in fact, told Johnson the details, and therefore this was yet another lie that Johnson was telling to justify the appointment of someone who has been an ally to him all the time. So this is yet another lie and a pretty big one. Yeah, the Pincher story is the one that has caused the most recent furore. But of course, it comes after a long line of similar incidents. And you and I have discussed many times specific events, not unlike this one. Um, And we've always concluded uh, with the thought that, you know, when will the next one come along? And the frequency just seems to have gone up. They're all dead daily now, really. I mean, it used to be every week or every month or so something would happen. But now they just keep coming. And for many of the people that have resigned today uh, and yesterday, uh, it seems to be the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was the specific... Uh, denials that were issued by 10 Downing Street. Uh, they sent out a minister on Monday to uh, tell Fibs to lie about those events, as they do, always do. That's part of the pattern of these sorts of things, is that somebody from the Conservative Party is wheeled out onto the airwaves the morning after the story has broken. They t- say all sorts of things on the instructions of Downing Street, so it was with this one. And most tellingly, the person that was wheeled out on Monday resigned this morning. Yes. Um, saying he'd basically saying he'd had enough of being wheeled out by the Downing Street machine to tell lies on its behalf. And ironically, he was a junior minister under Nadine Zahbawe at the Department of Education. Yes, I should say that uh, N- Nadine Zahawi is the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, a very important job, given the economic crisis the world is facing and Britain is certainly facing. Zahari was in charge of the vaccine rollout and did a very good job, it is agreed by most people. The other person he appointed um, as Health Secretary is Steve Barclay. Steve Barclay basically worked in his office, was his chief of staff until less than 12 hours ago. So he just plucked him out and plonked him into the Department of Health, which is a a, a very big deal. The question now is, can he escape again? And what are the implications for the United Kingdom, for Britain, for and for the Tory party? Because it's seen now as a case of saving the party, uh, never mind the government, from the shame this man has brought upon it. An unnamed cabinet minister has been quoted in the media today saying that uh, the threat that Johnson is using now is that he'll bring down the Tory party if they keep going for him. Yeah, That's the, the state that we're in. It's a historic time. I mean, um, one is tempted to try and avoid exaggeration and hyperbole, but um, coincidentally, this, on this day in 1535, Thomas More, who was then the king's first minister, was taken out and executed, and some historic wags have been asking, will today or soon be the day when the Queen's minister is soon um, shuffled off the stage, not in quite such a gruesome way. Um, 
I've often quoted to you uh, Rory Stewart, who's an ex-Tory cabinet minister, Old Etonian, um, Oxford, thought widely to have been a member of Her Majesty's Intelligence Services, and now a major, major critic from the sidelines. Who ran against Johnson in uh, in a bid for the leadership when Johnson won. Yeah, and he's come out in recent times all guns blazing about Johnson, and with each thing that he says... Um, it, it, it really is excoriating. And I'll, I'll just read something out to you that he's written or said recently. Johnson is the most accomplished liar in public life, perhaps the best liar ever to serve as prime minister. Some of this may have been a natural talent, but a lifetime of practice and study has allowed him to uncover new possibilities which go well beyond all the classifications of dishonesty attempted by classical theorists like St. Augustine. He has mastered the use of error, omission, exaggeration, diminution, equivocation, and flat denial. He's perfected casuistry, circumlocution, false equivalence, and false analogy. He's equally adept at the ironic chest, the fib, the grand lie, the weasel word, the half-truth, the hyperbolic lie, the obvious lie, and the bullshit lie. My apologies for quoting a swear word there. And because he's been so famous for this skill for so long, he can use his reputation to ascend to new levels of playful paradox. Thus, he could say to me, Rory Stewart, Rory, don't believe anything I'm about to say, but I would like you to be in my cabinet. And he still had me laughing in admiration. That's Rory Stewart, who really doesn't like Johnson, who's also described Johnson, um, and this again is another quote, I think he is evil. He can't distinguish between good and bad. He's a truly monstrous figure, a figure from a morality tale. That's what we're dealing with here. Yes. Um, and, and the um, two resignation a- letters, sorry to interrupt you, Chris. Um, I really am sorry to interrupt you. Uh, but the t- in the context of what you said about Rory Stewart, uh, Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid's resignation letters cited integrity and seriousness. Sunak said the country wants and the Tory party needs someone who is serious, someone who has integrity and Sajid Javid, it's the second time he's resigned from the Johnson government. He was chancellor for a week or two before Sunak stepped in. And the reason Javid resigned from the chancellorship was that number 10 wanted to effectively take power and put it in the hands of Dominic Cummings, uh, of all people, over the uh, economy and over the budgets and things. And Javid walked Sunak walked in instead of him. These are big beasts, aren't they, in the present Tory party? Because a lot of the people around are really non-entities in the cabinet, as you've described them very eloquently in the past. Yeah, Right-wing hacks, journalists, and after-dinner speakers. You'll have to find something worse than that, because I think after-dinner speakers, right-wing hacks, and journalists may have reason to take action against you for libel yes indeed indeed it is it is in fact worse than that i'm gonna have to find something else to say the specific event over which javid resigned the first time is an illustration of just how nuts this administration has been for quite some time it's not just about this event this one that straw that seems to have broken the camel's back as i say because you might remember that what actually happened i guess there was a row about economic policy between um, the Chancellor and the Prime Minister, and Dominic Cummings was in the middle of this round. Yes. But Cummings had one of Javid's aides frog-marched out of the street um, by an armed policeman. Yes, and she was a young woman uh, who occasionally appears now on 
uh, Sky Television and has uh, is beginning to acquire a broadcasting career, but it was a shocking thing to do. Yeah, so the media is all over this this morning, as you rightly say. The word brink in the context of is he on it yeah. appears in all of them, both the serious and the tabloid media. The exception is the Telegraph and, as you already mentioned, the Mail. Uh, all of them, the Times, the Sun even, that, that newspaper where one of the deputy editors uh, was involved in Partygate, because that's an illustration, again, of how everything is linked to everything else in this saga of um, sordid events, um, is th- because of both Murdoch and that the presence of that de- ex-Downing Street, dep- now deputy editor of The Sun. You know, that's a newspaper that historically is very, very friendly towards Johnson. They use the word brink. Um, they say time is running out for Boris Johnson, um, but with a caveat, unless he delivers for the British people. But the tone of their editorial, if I can dignify what the sun says with that word, is that time is up. Um, and as you say, um, the mail is that can the greased piglet escape even this? And the Telegraph, another great friend of Johnson, says, and I quote, he is hanging by a thread. So the thing that I've been looking for to really signify the end of Johnson, which is that his friendly media starts to turn on him, that has started. Yes. yes. And yeah. um, I, that, I think, is, is, is absolutely significant. But there have been lots of other little events over the last day or two, not just the resignations, that are worth mentioning to signify how this is um, the beginning of the end, at least. In the House of Lords yesterday, and you can't make this up, somebody called Lord True um, was making a speech about the Pincher affair. Now, Lord True, um, who was trying to talk about the truth and integrity, which is at the heart of all of this, um, his name, you just couldn't, as I say, make it up, is the Cabinet Office Minister in the House of Lords. And he was making a speech which almost uniquely was greeted with gales of laughter in yes. the House of Lords, not normally known for this sort of behaviour. And the leader of the Tories in the House of Lords was sitting next to him, a, a woman called Lady Evans. And to see her, it's worth looking up the clip, trying not to join in the laughter yes. as he was trying to claim that Boris Johnson had been telling the truth. Um, uh, it's, it's just an extraordinary event. And so, and so, it, so it goes. Yes, and uh, he had uh, one of his allies went to the House of Commons and again offered some uh, defence. And uh, people were laughing heartily uh, on the opposition benches and some on the Tory benches. There's an interesting, uh, uh, there's an overnight opinion poll by YouGov which shows that 69% of the British people want Boris Johnson to go now. And from our own selfish point of view in this country, uh, indeed, f- uh, for any citizen of the EU, uh, his lying has extended to the Anglo-Irish agreement and to relations between this republic and the UK, which were at, really at an all-time high not so long ago. Now he's going to plunge the EU, Ireland, and the UK into some kind of trade war that could get very, very vicious because of uh, legislation going through the Commons, written by Liz Truss, who is the Foreign Secretary. This is serious stuff. So it's also as evidently amusing and kind of, it's surreal is the right word. I mean, the word surreal is often used, Chris, out of 
proper context. But this is actually witnessing this is surreal. Yes, um, that well-known figure from the past, Alistair Campbell, who was Tony Blair's press secretary, another big beast of British politics, and he's still around um, making all sorts of waves on, on media. Um, he was actually name-checked, Alistair Campbell, by um, Nadim Zahawi in his radio interview this morning. Um, in Zahawi was almost, not almost, <laughs> he was trying to blame Campbell for all of the um, events, this civil war that is, is now taking place within the Tory party, a truly extraordinary statement to, to make on live radio. But Zahawi had just been mugged by the interviewer in various ways, not least with some forensic questioning but also the news live on air as Zahawi was being interviewed that there were two more resignations, um, one from his own office. So that I think that he must have been a bit thrown to have, to have name-checked um, name-checked Campbell. But um, another big beast of British journalism, Andrew Neil, a name I'm sure you're very familiar with. Yes. Um, before I'm, Zahawi... A bar, a bar a supporter often, but... Oh yes, no, 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 Guardian journalist. He absolutely no. not. Um, uh, he would normally be uh, certainly um, in his role as um, I think he's managing director of the Spectator, the Conservative House Journal. He is well disposed towards the Tory Party. Before Zahawi was appointed last night, Andrew Neil tweeted, "What idiot would be stupid enough to take on the job of Boris Johnson's next Chancellor of the Exchequer?" Yes. And within 10 minutes, his question was answered. So, um, yes, Andrew Neil, former editor of the Sunday Times, and it should be said, when the last Tory leadership contest was um, taking place, all the candidates uh, left, um, went and had their interview with Andrew Neil. Johnson declined because he knew, I think, that Neil would rip him to shreds. And the question, I suppose, now... Uh, Chris, one of the questions is who is going to be the next Prime Minister assuming Johnson doesn't survive? And that's a, a rather large assumption because one of the things he could do, uh, although the polls wouldn't encourage him to do it, uh, certainly not the one I just cited, he could call a general election. He has very little power left, but he can call a general election, can't he? Well, that would be one way to, in, in a sense, uh, carry out that threat to destroy the Conservative Party, because yes. I think in a snap general election, they would be destroyed. Not permanently, they would stage a comeback eventually, as, as these parties usually do, but there wouldn't be very many of them on the back benches, or at least far fewer of them than there are now, and they would be a much weakened and lesser opposition. Um, another interview that took place this morning of, an, of, of a person that had resigned, who is now was the Conservative Vice Chairman. We've, we've already lost the Chairman of the party, but this guy Ben Afalami, we're learning lots of names that we've never really heard of before. He gave an interview as, on the radio as well this morning, talking about truth and integrity and the way in which this most recent event has pushed him over the edge. And I think that interview encapsulates an awful lot of what people have been thinking. But the um, the, the, the betting on uh, who is going to succeed Johnson should he go, and I'll come on to whether or not he is going to go in a, in a moment, but uh, the bookies who you know do get things wrong, they got Brexit wrong, but the bookies this morning have made Rishi Sunak the yeah. um, favourite now. It was Liz Truss, 
um, and Ben Wallace, the defense secretary yes. who stayed in place, um, up till now anyway, um, they've made Rishi Sunak because they think, I, I guess they think they echo the remarks of a lot of political analysts this morning is that Sunak has rescued some of his credibility because the story that's being put out by Sunak's aides, um, and feeding them into the media is that he's been thinking about this for a long time. In his own resignation letter, he said to Johnson, um, I've disagreed with you in private about many things over the recent past, but I am a team player and I understand the collective nature of cabinet responsibility and in public I've always supported you, but now this is a step too far. And with that kind of attempt to regain the political moral high ground, such as it is, um, Sunak is now being mentioned in dispatches as a as the most probable successor at least in the bookies mice but there will should johnson go when he goes um, there will be an, an election and um obviously javid sajid javid is is in the frame as well yeah, so trust, there, there is a whole host of here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Thanks. Liz Truss also will run. She will run uh, as the heir to Margaret Thatcher's legacy, which is rather uh, amusing until you realize that it's only, uh, well, it's a matter of weeks since she posed in a tank, in a replica of a very famous, uh, iconic uh, photograph of Margaret Thatcher taken standing in a tank at the time of the Falklands War. Let me ask you a sort of strange question that will puzzle many people. It's constantly said that Johnson is a charismatic figure, a vote winner, and popular with the people. And it's possible to stand that up in theory, Chris. He was uh, elected mayor of London twice, and on in both of the sort of uh, terms of office, the four-year terms of office, he got into terrible trouble, but managed 
to get out of it. He's wooed the red wall seats, working class people, obviously via Brexit and their dislike of foreigners, as they'd see them. But he has got a good record he's, as in terms of going to the people. 80-seat majority after uh, Brexit was achieved. Achieved, one has to say, with a big whopper of a lie uh, that he'd no intention of honouring, i.e. the Northern Ireland Protocol. What is it about him that attracts people in England? In England oh, particularly. We, I think we should be speaking in the past tense now because his own personal rating in all sorts of different polls um, couldn't be worse. Uh, compared to all other Tory politicians. The idea that he is popular with the country at large no longer stands, at least according to that evidence. But you're right. He has won elections in the past, and he delivered the Brexit referendum. Yes. And, it, and then an 80-seat majority. And then opinion polls at the time asked people why they liked him so much. And a very common answer, um, and this is a direct answer to your question, at the time was he's the sort of chap that you could go down to the pub and have a pint with. He managed to achieve that precious commodity in politics in connecting with um, you know, ordinary people, ordinary yes. voters. Um, I think that connection has been lost. That will be tested. You know, that is clearly being tested at the moment, and I think there is some some evidence for that. And the, and we, the reasons for that connection being lost uh, have been well rehearsed over the last few days, and indeed over the last few months with Partygate, Wallpaper Gate and all the other gates that, that we've had. Um, we, last night, Eamon, when all of this was breaking, um, it was fun for me to, to read on social media lots of people, lots of listeners to this podcast reaching out to me and saying yes. they were looking forward to our next conversation. <laughs> and one guy, a, a guy called Mick Campbell, has tweeted to me several times over, over the last few months to remind me of an old Turkish proverb which is that when the clown enters the palace, he does not become a king, rather the palace becomes a circus. Yes. And I think yes. that's what actually happened. I think that puts it brilliantly. Yeah. And I think people of England, this is the answer to your question, don't like being turned into a circus. Yes. Alistair Campbell, I mentioned earlier on, has been on Sky and other news outlets today pointing out that in all of his international travels, just what foreigners think of Great Britain now yes. and the United Kingdom. And it is very much in the terms of that old Turkish proverb. And people don't like that. People don't like it when no. they think other people are laughing at them. And they know that Johnson has turned UK government into a circus. But it isn't funny. If it wasn't so serious, it would be no, funny. And I suppose historically we'll look back on this and we will wonder how on earth did this happen. And we might even laugh. But there are so many serious consequences. You've mentioned just one, which is what is now going to happen on the island of Ireland yes. because of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Yes. But there are many others because up, up until now, one of the criticisms that I've spoken about on this podcast many times is that policy has never been um, front and centre of what Johnson is all about. He's not really interested in the hard graft of policy. It's all about media management headlines appearing at a clown, trying to make that connection trying to re now re-establish that connection with, with the British people. But the appointment of Zahawi signals where policy is going to go next, which is totally and utterly in the opposite direction to seriousness. Because Sunak said in his letter, in coded language, you want to, to raise government spending and cut taxes at a time now when there is no magic money tree. Yes. Financial markets are in turmoil. 
We're now having to pay a lot of money to borrow in a way that we haven't had to do for a long time. And the money just ain't there, Prime Minister. And the rows that we've been having behind closed doors are now just too much for me. And this is another reason why I'm going. And Zahawi is on the airwaves saying, I'm now going to do the Prime Minister's bidding. So there are economic policy consequences to yes. all of this. And they are very serious, along with the one other one that you mentioned, which is, of course, the Northern Ireland Protocol. Yes, and uh, in Johnson's plus column is Zelensky, the Ukrainian president who name-checked him and thanked him yet again yesterday. He, he obviously knows Johnson's in trouble. And on the question of Putin's invasion and crucifixion of the Ukrainian people, Johnson and Britain have been to the forefront in giving leadership that was notably absent elsewhere. And that must go, in my view anyway, into the credit uh, column. There is another quote that came to mind this morning because he is so potentially so damaging for us in, in this country. And it was Gore Vidal's observation, uh, the American writer Gore Vidal, who was a great wit as well. And he said once when he saw a friend receiving an award at the Oscars, he said, every time I see a friend succeed, a little part of me dies. <laughs> the, yes. The, the obverse uh, would also be true. If uh, Mr. Johnson is defeated and finally has to resign as prime minister, I think many of us will be relieved and it's terrible to see what he's doing. There's no guarantee, though. Be careful what you wish for, Eamon, because who's going to come up behind him? This is is the really interesting question. But to give you an idea of just how febrile Westminster is at the moment, a leading um, legal um, journalist this morning tweeted that uh, Johnson should now, um, to boost his popularity, build on his success with Zelensky and donate to Zelensky Britain's aircraft carriers. Yes. (laughs) That's how ridiculous it's become. Yeah. Um, A final question, Chris, about the methodology. Uh, As I understand it, the 1922 committee has elections for its executive next week. Yes, there's an 18-person committee, the 1922 committee, the elections for which take place next week. And a lot of the enemies of Johnson are going to stand to get on that executive because they need to change a rule the rule being that Johnson, having survived a vote of confidence just uh, a fortnight ago, would not have to face a challenge for a year as things stand. But they intend to get on the 1922 committee executive and to change that and uh, to, in fact, have another uh, election uh, in which Johnson will face uh, opponents um, and confidence uh, vote, and that it could all be over before the summer recess, which is next month. Yeah, um, some people are betting that if that, if those elections go their way, Johnson will be out by the end of next week. Um, there are three ways he'll go. Um, the one is the least likely is that he'll yes. resign of his own volition. Uh, certainly, all evidence points to you know hell will freeze over before that actually happens. Um, the second is, of course, the, the next scandal, because remember, we've always said, yes. you know, what will be the next one? And there will be another one, because he himself gave a BBC interview only in recent days saying, I'm not going to change. If you think I'm going to change, forget about it. Yeah. And to me, that was the strongest signal 
possible that this will just, for as long as he is there, these scandals will keep emerging. And if the cabinet were then to resign en masse, that would be the end for him. We've, you know, we've had two big beast resignations, but they're not enough no. to force his hand. If Gove and Wallace and Truss and Co. all went at the same time, I think that would be enough. That's the next likely one. But the, the, the only real way I think that he is going to go is via this 1922 committee route, which means that he's either gone at the end of next week or we have to wait until next June. Well, that should be fun, Chris. <laughs> it will be a long wait and a lot of uh, blood will be spilt. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. That's Chris Johns. And we know how popular he is with our listeners and how prescient he is with his um, understanding of British politics and particularly the Tory party. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.